All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to another exciting episode of Quills Cast. Uh, I've got a good friend with me, uh, Mr. Jellyfish Rave, aka Pat. Say hi to the crowd, Pat. Hello. Yes, 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 yes. Man, it, yeah, you know, one of the one of the first things I was really excited about doing the show. I uh, definitely wanted to get you on. I remember our previous conversations on the subject and they're always pretty entertaining oh yeah yeah i'm glad to be here it's it's a it's a big subject mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you're kind of like you're i don't want to call you a celebrity but you you kind of are i mean <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah I, I i don't know the word i would use but it was uh there was some it made a big splash the, uh, the whole thing with Andrew Yang and it was on Stephen Colbert and it was it was very uh, unexpected to say yeah, the least. Man. Yeah, you're like uh, if intactivism was World War One, you're like the guy who shot Franz Ferdinand. <laughs> yeah, I, I described it to uh, I forget w- when I said this, but I said it was sort of like um, like uh, the Mothman. You know how the Mothman shows up and then. Uh, a bunch of stuff happens all at once and then he's gone. It was like that. I sort of, I came on the scene. I was tweeting for a while and like within two weeks, all of a sudden it's in the mainstream news and it's on Stephen Colbert. And then I sort of, I sort of stepped back a few months later and said, okay, maybe this whole, <laughs> the whole Twitter scene is not so much for me, but I still hang around. Man, like the impact you made. I mean, I think that's worth like at least 10 years of doing Twitter work. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Hopefully we don't have ten years left. Yeah, I don't. I don't see this shit going past another decade or two. Mm. To be honest, like I mean, like I mean, have, have you like I don't know? Have you like like sat back and like really thought about like your impacts? I mean, I mean, I, I don't necessarily mean to like blow smoke up your ass or anything, but it's, I mean, it's it's pretty significant to like you know be a part of such a change yeah i i it's hmm i haven't really thought about it in the grand scheme because i think it i mean it could have been anybody really i mean we had people that were (laughs) we were pestering politicians all over the place for you know weeks at that point until that happened so it really could have been anybody but i am i it does bring me you know some joy to say that you know oh yeah that was me that was um, cause I'm sort of outside of the, the Twitter sphere where, you know, we talk about a lot of very serious things. I'm sort of an, ex- uh, an eccentric kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And so it is sort of funny to me that, uh, you know, my friends get such a kick out of it that like, oh yeah, that was Pat that did that. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, Stephen Colbert said at jellyfish rave on his show. And it's, it's, I mean, it's so, it's one of those things that's just so ridiculous. And in any other timeline. I mean, in any other timeline, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. I mean, I wouldn't have a question to ask Andrew Yang in a in a sane timeline, but here we are. Uh, exactly. So it is. Yeah. I mean, it was big, and I, 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 you know, I, I was happy to see all the support. There was because it became, you know, a big mainstream issue for a couple of weeks. There, it was great to see people sort of come out of the woodworks, uh, people that you wouldn't expect come out and say, you know, oh yeah, that's actually a really rational proposal. And mm-hmm. what's sort of perpetuated the cycle is that nobody talks about it. Everybody has just done it. You know, people are 
circumcising infants because nobody tells them, hey, don't do that. Nobody even talks about doing it. So all of a sudden people, you know, and you see it on Twitter a lot, people will say, uh, oh yeah, I'm going to get my kids circumcised today. And people will come in their replies and be like, why? And mm-hmm. the original poster is so taken back by this. They're like, what do you mean? Why? You just do that. So yeah. the fact that it had, you know, a, a mainstream stage to uh, sort of take the spotlight for a minute uh, was very sort of uh, white pilling to see that, you know, oh, people, you know, there are people on our side. This does, this is an issue with popular support. It's just nobody's talked about it. Mm-hmm. So insofar as that, I think, yeah, I, I have that. That's one thing I have reflected on is seeing that, oh, wow. Okay. This is, this is a winning issue. We just have to get it out there. Exactly. You know, more people have to be comfortable, like broaching it. Like, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just so absurd. Like, I mean, if we look at the whole world, I mean, obviously most people are, they're not necessarily hardline into activists, but I mean, like 80% of the world doesn't do any sort of cutting. So hmm. it's, you know, it's really not that far-fetched of an idea, but, you know, it's just a matter of cultural conditioning and indoctrination. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um there was that video you sent me of uh, the New York mayoral candidates talking about it. And that sort of reinforced to me the idea that this really is just something that's been um, um, everybody's been blinded to it by the cultural forces, because there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot to broach there. There's the religious aspect. There's the fact that, I mean, there's the sunk cost fallacy that, you know, it's happened to so mm-hmm. many people and it's a, I mean, it's like a, ridiculously difficult thing to sort of accept that oh you know because if you accept it you necessarily have to accept oh so this thing that's really bad they did that to me too and a lot of people aren't i don't think ready to do that so it's sort of kept out of the public spotlight because they don't want to do that they don't want to broach the religious aspect and i you know i'm not naive uh i understand why people have concerns from a religious perspective but i just i just don't agree with it i i think you know it's, it's the classic intactivist stance that, you know, if it's for religious reasons, the child is not religious yet. The child has not chosen their religion. Um, exactly. I, that That's sort of a basic talking point, but yeah. Yeah. It was like, we have to shift our mindset, you know, to actually recognize the child's autonomy, like religious autonomy. Mm. You know, one, one, one thing I ask people nowadays is like, all right. I mean, if you believe that the child, should have religious freedom. I mean, you know, how do you reconcile that with essentially what's a religious tattoo on their genitals? You know, exactly. It's like they're already sort of grandfathered into the religion. It's like shit. Well, I already <laughs> got this mark. So, yeah, yeah, and um, and it sort of it perpetuates the cycle because then they do it and. You know, I mean, again, this is another very basic talking point, but it it is perpetuated because it's done. You know, somebody, it happens to them. They say, okay, well, I'm going to do it to my son and so on and so forth. And, uh, and then nobody Mm -hmm. talks about it. So it never stops. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Yeah. Doubling back to the, I guess, uh, Andrew Yang thing. Um, did, so did anyone like uh, reach out to you, like from, I guess, uh, either Andrew's camp or Stephen Colbert's camp? Like, um, 
you know they didn't but i did get one guy uh what was his name his name was ryan broderick from i think buzzfeed news um he he asked me a few questions and i think i i'm not entirely certain but based on the media covers that i've seen i think it was sort of uh a setup for a a spin job to say oh you know um this is anti-semitism yeah yeah exactly and i i spent (laughs) he asked me like five questions i think i spent something like four hours very carefully crafting the responses saying okay i don't want this to be able to be taken out of context i (laughs) i want to make the case (laughs) strongly but i don't want it to say oh yeah uh known anti-semite jellyfish wants to like (laughs) suppress american jews from practicing their religion i'm like no hang on (laughs) take it easy here so but yeah no and i um i I never heard from either stephen colbert type people or um Andrew Yang, I think they just sort of saw it as a um, sort of a nightly news type thing. Oh, you know, we'll get a we'll get a good bit out of this and we'll move on. Right. But, you know, it's amazing. Like, you know, the you know, with his uh, mayoral uh, mayoral campaign coming up, like the the issues come up, but it's more so like a hit piece. So. Even though it was, when when did you ask that question? Was it? I feel like it was like two years ago or something. Yeah, I think it was like March. I don't know. Why I want to say nineteenth of twenty nineteen. It was sometime like mid ish March, I think. Of yeah. Nineteen. And you know this this thing is just stuck. And you know who was it? Uh, the New York Post. They they tried to run some hit piece or hit job hit job on it, but. I mean, when I was looking at the comments, I was like, wow. I mean, of course, you see a lot of idiotic pro uh enablers, but there was it was actually a lot of hardline stance against or at least supporting what he was saying. But, you know, against the idea of cutting healthy children. So that's, I've definitely noticed a shift since. You know, at least within the past two years on the Twitterverse. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, and and that was what I meant about uh, the BuzzFeed news stories. You know, you see how they take these these issues and they they try to spin it into a hit piece, and they try to. I mean, because it was it was a question asked in good faith, and it was an answer in good faith. But then, you know, the media who I don't know they they get good reviews off of negative press, I guess something mm-hmm. must be something like that. Cause they love these hit pieces where they'll take again, a, a good faith interaction. And I mean, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Andrew Yang for even answering that to begin with. And I know he's sort of walked it back since then and taken less of a firm stance. I, his first interview with, I forget who it was, the, um, the daily beast or something. Was that it? it was some, some, some outlet. Um, he had a, he had a yeah. very strong stance. He said, "I'm highly aligned with the intactivists. History will prove mm-hmm. them even more correct." I mean, that was that that's a huge statement. That's far bigger than he said on Twitter. And uh, I I don't know if he didn't expect the sort of uh, backlash from the media, but regardless of what happened, you know, regardless of what he wanted to happen it sort of opened Pandora's box. I think I read somewhere that he was the only candidate in like U S history to ever explicitly talk on the subject. And Mm -hmm. in doing that, he, you know, like I said, opened Pandora's box. This is going to be an issue forever, at least latently it's, it's entered the political sphere 
formally. And, you know, right now it's sort of attached to Andrew Yang, but I wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, this eventually became an issue somewhere else. But I think, I think for the time being, politicians are being uh, very careful after seeing what happened to Andrew Yang. I forget who it was. I was reading another article about the tweet. And uh, the source said that they reached out to all of the other Democratic candidates and got no responses. So I think they saw, <laughs> I think they saw what the media did to Andrew Yang after that, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, really said, "Okay, I'm sure their campaign manager said, if anybody asks you, don't answer." Right, even if you're in support, because I mean, not. Not to say I'm a single issue voter, but if I heard someone go on record and support of that shit, I'd yeah, oh, exactly. I'd, I'd seriously question my vote. Yeah, for sure. I I, I went out. You know, I'll, I'll just say, you know, in the in the primaries, I went out and voted for Andrew Yang for that reason. I mean, that was I, well, it wasn't for that reason. I I did like that he was very open about dialogue with everything, and he was very. I think he's I think he's an earnest guy for what it's worth. I think he faced a lot of media pressure and that's why he walked it back. But again, he made he made his stance clear. He said what he believed, and I think that was huge. So mm-hmm. there were a lot there were a lot of things I liked about him, uh policy and otherwise, but that was a huge contributor. I mean, like I, I mean I owed it to him at that point, honestly. <laughs> I, I I mean he took some I think he took some serious damage in that media, you know, firestorm afterwards. Uh, so I, th- I think I owed it to him, but you know, th- that is a big issue. If, if I, if any other politician came out and said, yeah, I actually am opposed to this. The science is in support of being against it. And, uh, it's really a terrible thing. I would, I mean, even if it was a politician that I otherwise was not very interested in, I'd say, well, hang on, maybe I should look into him a little more. It's, you know, like, like you said, not, not quite single issue, but I mean, that's a big one. Yeah. And that's the thing about activism too. It's like, it's not. You know, when cutters try to pin it on one sort of ideology or group, it's like they can't because, you know, people from all areas of the socioeconomic and political spectrum are, you know, they they support it. They support genital autonomy and integrity. So that's 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 what I like about the movement where it's not uh, it's not a leftist issue or it's not a you know, a conservative issue or anything like that. For sure. Yeah. I, I had this line that I used to say um, whenever, you know, I mean, you get called all sorts of names tweeting about mm-hmm. talking about that stuff. I think in one week I was simultaneously called like a feminist, an MRA, uh, a Nazi and like a socialist for yeah. the same position. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, you know, a lot of these are, uh, you know, I, I mean, they're obviously all, you know, uh, personal attacks designed for them to throw out your position. They say, oh, well, you're an MRA. I don't like MRAs. So uh, you're obviously only concerned about this for that reason. And you can sort of tell based on who a person is, what they'll label you. Um, mm-hmm. I forget who that who that um, that doctor was, that female doctor on Twitter. She had a big oh, moment in the spotlight. Oh. It was uh, Jen Gunther or something. Uh, uh, I thought you were talking about Dr. Chaya. Oh, yeah, that was another one. There's like three of them. And, you know, they talk about yeah. all these angry men and all these MRAs and their mentions. And it's like, it's like, you know, what's okay. So then you go to, you know, 
somebody else who is maybe actually an MRA and they're like, yeah, man, I love circumcision. And it's like, okay, well maybe consider not doing that because you know, if you're an advocate for men, for men, you know, you don't want to harm them and this is harmful. And they're like, Oh, what are you like? Some cringe feminist get out of my face. And like, okay, well (laughs) the feminist just called me an MRA and told me to go to you. You told me to go away and go to them. It's like, you know, you're right. It it is a very diverse, you know, broad spectrum movement. And it's because it's, it's a common sense, position i think and that's why it appeals so broadly exactly yeah so um what was it what was i thinking uh yeah so going back to new york you know uh I, this this is actually a relative position or a relative uh topic for new york politics i mean because of course there's a lot there's a large uh, jewish segment a large Orthodox segment, and and uh, you you met you brought up the Orthodox the Metsitsa Bepe, where I mean this is this is a big thing. I mean uh, I, I don't know if you want to talk about it or sure yeah, like, and you know it it's sort of it's sort of a, uh, a the, there was a hearing that that hearing was sort of quintessential of everything that we've talked about. You know it's it's all the candidates were sort of. They didn't really want to talk about it. They wanted to give sort of non-committal answers or sort of defer to uh, general platitudes about religious freedom or whatever. Um, <laughs> and and for you know those listening who don't know, Natitza uh, Pepe is a ritual where the moyle after the circumcision. Uh, I mean, you know, not to be vulgar, but he he sucks on the baby's penis to remove the blood and the foreskin, and it, it's it, it's a religious practice, but. The issue in New York was that they were requiring, I think, was it Bill de Blasio who implemented it, um, mm-hmm. where you need a special consent form that says, okay, well, this this carries additional risks. You know, if the moil is infected with some sort of uh, herpes, for example, the, the the baby could contract herpes and in infants that can be fatal. And there's a, there's a large backlash. And like you said, from I, I understand the concerns of the religious communities with, you know, government intervening because that does set a precedent it's just that in this particular instance you know at the very least you know having to sign a consent form to say okay yeah there are additional risks my child could die i mean we have consent forms for like everything right and and again like i said i'll say it again i understand you know not wanting the government to intervene in religion but the intactivist position on this is that the child has no religion and your religion is being forced upon a child and it's a difficult issue. And I don't, I mean, you know, in all issues, you know, one side has to win. And I don't like to say necessarily that, oh yeah, we have to win in this, you know, legal battle and therefore you'll have to bend to our will because <laughs> that sounds bad, but it's about protecting the children is what it is. And if the, you know, it, if the children grow up and they say, Hey, yeah, I was born into this religion. I identify with it. I want to do this to myself. That's, you know, I I would never do something like that. If I were, you know, fortunate enough to be spared, I would never do something like that. But I'm, you know, I'm a libertarian in as far as I can say, you can do that on your own if you want. I think it's, you know, personally, I think it's kind of weird, but, you know, you have, that's what I think freedom is, is that you can do that if you can consent to it. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, it's, it's such a reasonable position. I mean, just to say, I mean, we're not, I mean, they weren't even telling them to stop, to cut it out. All they said was a consent form. Like, even, even barbers, like, the amount of work they have to go through to make sure that they're all, you know, within spec, they're all compliant. Like, imagine if a barber had, like, a, a razor that gave, like, 1% of his clients herpes. Like, yeah. And, you know, New York told him, uh, maybe have your client sign this consent form before you use that razor. And then the barber just said, um, I hear you, but no, I'm not. I'm not gonna. <laughs> and actually, now That's- this is a hot button issue and we're going to vote for candidates based on whether or not they make me sign a consent form to, <laughs> you know, infect my hair cutting patients with herpes. It's in, you know, a sm- in even a small percent of cases, it's, you know, it's, it's common sense. Yeah, I mean, even if it was a small percent of cases, it's like we, we, we it, it can't be predicted. You know, it's, it's playing Russian roulette with someone else's life. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, even back to, you know, circumcision in general without Metsitsipapa, it's, you know, mm-hmm. you put a child's life at risk in 100% of cases, you cause damage to the child. It's, I mean, it's, it's lose, lose across the board. If you're the kid and you, didn't even have a saying that you were just born. And uh, I, I know a lot of, um, I don't know if it's, if it's reformed Judaism or if this has any sort of adoption in uh, Orthodox Judaism, but um, Oh, what do they call it now? I'm forgetting the term. Uh, the British. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Britchalone, which yeah. is, it, it fulfills the, the religious ritual component because for what it's worth, you know, I, um, I, I'm a religious man myself and I understand the importance of, you know, religious tradition and things of that sort. Uh, and, you know, maybe you can call me biased because I'm not secularly opposed to any of the practices of my own religion, but I don't think that necessarily means that I'm wrong. Uh, so, so with something like Brit Shalom, I actually love that because it, 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 fulfills that religious ritual component in a peaceful way that doesn't harm a child. Uh, mm-hmm. So in, in, you know, I, I wish that had more traction maybe or more of a spotlight because it's, it's, you know, the, it, it, like I said, it's about the children and it's about protecting the children from harm, which is what something like Brit Shalom does. Yeah. It's like, you know, what, as a society, where where is the line? I mean, if we if we even look at the Constitution, I mean, religious freedom isn't necessarily absolute. I mean, otherwise, you know, some Aztec could, you know, be complaining about, oh, why why can't I sacrifice my child on the third moon? You know, where where's my freedom? Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's really you know your religious freedom ends where someone else's begins. And that's a very reasonable point I think to make. And the, the real, I think issue for the opposing side here is going to be wading into that. Well, okay. Children aren't people. They don't have rights. They are my property. That's, that's a very, uh, 
that's a line that people don't want to cross, which is why the, the idea of discussing this is so controversial because, you know, mm -hmm. if you really want to follow through the idea of, okay, sure, your religious freedom ends where mine begins, but I can still circumcise my child for religious reasons or secular reasons, which, you know, for what it's worth, not for nothing, a lot of circumcision, probably the majority in the U.S. is secular. It's people who are not doing it for it's religious probably reasons. Like it's like 96%. Like if we look at the population of, you know, Jewish and Islam, I think it's like 4%. In this yeah, country. it's something very small. So in either case, uh, whether it's for religious or secular reasons, you, you dive into that territory of, okay, well, I can infringe upon the rights of this child if they're mine because X. And whatever X may be, it leads to some conclusions that I think the overwhelming majority of people, even people who would circumcise a child, would not agree with. So, mm -hmm. you know, like foot binding, for example, if people were binding feet or um, what is that uh, scarification where, you know, they, they scar up a body and it develops that way with markings, it's a tribal practice. I think even people who say, okay, well, it's my child, so I can circumcise him would say, oh, well, you can't foot bind your child or you can't scar your child up like that because they have autonomy. I, they don't want to make that connection because that's that's insurmountable cognitive dissonance to say, I can harm my child mm -hmm. in this way, but you can't harm your child in that way, dealing entirely in the realm of objectivity. I can cause my child to bleed in this way, but you can't cause your child to bleed in that way. As long as we can attach some sort of health benefits to what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, people really love that because they, for all sorts of reasons, like we've mentioned, you know, it makes them feel better about themselves. Oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, they'll say I'm resistant to, you know, X, Y, and Z disease because I'm circumcised. Discounting the fact that it's totally not true. I mean, it's still, even if it was all true, I've said this in the past on Twitter, uh, you know, you could ascribe all of the benefits that they give to circumcision and more, and it would still be wrong to force on a child who is unable to consent. It's just what it is. Mm -hmm. And if anybody, for any reason, two adults, if one were to circumcise the other against their will, I'm sure you'd have all sorts of legal standing to, I mean, you know, sue them into oblivion. Exactly. But suddenly when yeah, it's a that's... child no agency. And of course, you know, children don't have agency of their own, which is why they need to be protected. That's, that's the main argument. You know, what's, what's the difference between a child and someone in a coma? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If, you know, if, if you, if some guy is in a car crash and he suddenly ends up in a coma and they, for whatever reason, decide, okay, we're going to perform a circumcision now on this grown man who's in a coma if he wakes up, I'm sure he would get away 100% with a suit that says you did not have the right to do that to me without my consent. And I was in a, I was in a state where I could not consent just like a child. So it's, it's really, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a winning issue on every single front. Yeah. You know, one of the things I ask people now is like, you know, if, if it's wrong uh, to do to someone, at age 30, like at what age does it not become wrong? Like 
29 years prior. Yeah. In, in which of those in which of those years is it not wrong? Yeah, exactly. You know, at what and, point is the threshold crossed? I've never gotten a you know a solid response to that. Yeah, I don't think there is one, frankly. Because <laughs> you know, if if they pick a number, it's like okay, they say twelve. Okay, what's the difference between a twelve-year-old and a thirteen-year-old? Yeah. Yeah, and it's or, or you know, any uh, between any two ages, really, for that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, a person is a person. I there's no, as far as I'm aware, there's no section with you know any sort of widespread support in the country that believes that a child who is already born is not their own person. You have the debate about abortion and you know when the person becomes a child, but both sides agree once the child is born. They are their own person. Exactly. So, but suddenly there's there's an exception. There's an asterisk at the end of that. They're their own person, uh, except you know, except for their penis. That is that is that can be altered by anybody. I mean, you see cases where you know parents will have a child and they won't even circumcise him, but then the you know the grandparents will find out and they'll take the child to get circumcised, and that's just that's just allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not even they're the property of their parents. It's that they're their property of whoever takes them to get circumcised. It's it's really it's sick is what it is. Yeah, I've even seen, you know, some cases where people like born in the foster care or wards of the state ended up getting cut. It's like, wow, that this is legal. Yeah. For males. Yeah, exactly. For it, There was a chart. You may have even been the one that posted this. I, I saw this chart on Twitter the other day. It was like, you know, when is it okay to cut the genitals of either a human or an animal? And, it, you know, it's never okay in the case of females, animals, or human. It's not okay to do that to a male animal. But a male human, you know, ha funny, snip, snip. It's like, that's, right. that's it's evil is what it is. It's, I mean, people, the way people laugh at it. I mean, there are babies who die and I, I i really have to impress that point upon people that there are babies i mean completely babies are the only innocent people alive they're the only people who have not committed moral wrong of course because they don't have moral agency but they're completely innocent they are entitled to all of the same rights to life and all that that anyone else is and if they die because of a totally preventable, to- strictly damaging procedure mm-hmm. that's just looked at as a, oh, well, it happens rarely, so it's okay. You know, I mean, how many babies would it be okay to have killed by I, rusty razor blades? I mean, oh, okay, well, you took your baby for, you know, their first haircut and <laughs> they used like rusty scissors and they cut your baby and the baby dies. Well, okay. But, you know, babies have to get their hair cut. So, you know, a hundred some babies a year, that's, we just have to accept that. It's not acceptable is, you know, the bottom line. Yeah. You know, there, uh, there's, there's another graphic uh, related to that. Uh, uh, what is it? It was like some crib or something that was causing like, maybe like, a dozen or so deaths and it was instantly recalled. Yeah. yeah. And like this, this crib, it sold like 
who knows, maybe like hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that may even be a death rate, you know, lower than the death rate for, you know, infant circumcision. And it's immediately recalled because we, we acknowledge that a child's life has to be protected because they are, they, they can't protect it themselves. When an adult is an adult or when a person is an adult, rather, they have agency. They're able to protect themselves. They are, you know, autonomous. A child is by their nature, not autonomous in their own. They can't do anything. They can't protect themselves. They can't keep themselves alive even. So it's the job of adults. And this is just societal commentary. You know, adults need to protect children. That's why we understand that mm -hmm. it's so heinous when there's child sex abuse. It's why we understand it's so heinous when children are being beaten or harmed because they need to be protected. And it's all of a sudden, again, this one, but, but there's one instance, there's, a, there's the asterisk again. There's one instance. You can do this though. You can harm them in this way. And we're all going to laugh about it. We're going to take pictures. We're going to tweet about it and say, this was so much harder for me than it was for him. And it's, it's terrible. And there's no, the issue that I see strategically is that politicians can get away with non-committal answers. There's no, there is no um, leverage for intactivists or even just for normal people who are rightly opposed to the practice. There's no political leverage for people like us to say, okay, this politician um, said it's it's a great thing and we're going to defend it no matter what. They will face no political consequences for that because there's no there are no pressure groups. There's no the big money is with circumcision. The big money is with selling neonatal fibroblasts for skin creams on not even the black market. That's just legal. You can just do that. I mean, you can harvest the flesh Amazon. Yeah, on Amazon. You can buy the flesh of infants uh, effectively, pro you know, processed, I'm sure several times over, of course, but you know, they, mm -hmm. you can harvest the flesh of an infant and turn it into a cosmetic face cream and then go on and then use it, go on the Ellen DeGeneres show and then laugh about it. And everyone thinks, Oh, that's just, right. <laughs> that's such a funny, quirky thing. Never mind the fact that there yeah. are, millions upon millions of men walking around with scars on their genitals so that you can do that. I mean, that's, that's not a trade-off mm -hmm. that I think any, anyone in their right mind would ever consider to make in any other circumstance. It's so, it's so wild. Like, uh, what was that? Where was I going to go? going to go with that. Uh, but yeah, like the Ellen DeGeneres thing and the, Skin Medica and all of that stuff. Uh, you know, if imagine if it was a girl, like there would be whole inquiries. There would be whole like those companies would be sued into oblivion if they even hinted at such. Oh, thing. yeah, but, yeah. And you know, there was a. I saw someone call out this one, I guess, sort of influencer or TikTok person. Anyways, that there's, they have like this sort of uh, a pyramid of conspiracy theorists, and they list 
they list the the foreskin harvesting as at the top of that conspiracy theorist pyramid. So uh, someone someone on Twitter called them out for it, and their response was <laughs> they they tried to like mince words or split hairs about it. It's like, well, technically they're not harvesting it; they're cloning cells from it to make the products. So it's like, does it yeah, matter? It, it, can it be done without first harvesting the <laughs> tissue? No. You know, okay, well, they have to harvest the tissue, but it's not that they use the harvested tissue. They just use <laughs> it to create something that they use. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a distinction without a difference. Yeah, so we, we killed all these cows, but we just cloned their... We, we cloned their tissue to make leather. We didn't actually use their tissue. Yeah, exactly. Leather. There's not a there's not a uh, a vegan or a vegetarian on the on in the world that would say that's okay. Yeah, that's actually an acceptable alternative. They'd say no. You've still done the thing that's wrong in the first place. And and right. for what it's worth, I I'll circle back for a quick second here. I, I would add that it's it is right that you have you would have massive investigations if. Uh, somebody had hinted that they're using like female genital tissue in their skincare routine. I mean, it, I think that's, it, it, you know, it's a good thing that, you know, the justice department would crack down on that and you'd have investigations and lawsuits. And for what it's worth, I don't like the idea of saying, oh, well, you know, we have to ban circumcision because uh, if we don't, then it violates the equal protection clause and then it'll put girls and intersex people at risk. The issue is that the issue is wholesale. It's one or the other. It's, all or nothing, although I'm okay with the fact, I think it's a good thing that we do have protections for girls and increasingly intersex people. But the reason we have to ban circumcision is not so we can protect, you know, other groups of people that aren't being subject to circumcision. We have to ban it because it is wrong and the overarching ideology that we need to protect the autonomy and integrity of infants is correct. Mm-hmm. And just from from a simple standpoint, I mean, it disproportionately affects male and intersex children. And banning, I mean, banning that, I mean, male cut-in is like the floor. So if you ban that, that pretty much makes everything above that or everything that's related to it it's on the chopping block as well. Yeah. I mean, I got, I kind of related to, uh, to get a little political, I kind of related to, you know, when the black lives movement, you know, people kind of straw man it to make it seem like, Oh, only black lives matter. No, it's, I mean, if we're, if we're being honest, I mean, Black, you know, black people are disproportionately affected by, you know, police violence and state violence. So if we take a look at that and actually change things around, I mean, that makes things better for everyone else who aren't as affected by it. So, yes, it, you know, you could say all lives matter, but if if you really want all lives matter, you know, it has to start from the bottom. And that, that's a really good analogy because I mean, 
that is, you know, you, we see this a lot when, um, like Brian Earp, for example, he's a very, very, I, I love him. He's a great bioethicist at, uh, in the Yale Hastings program, I believe. Uh, you'll see when he talks to, uh, anti FGM advocates, which, you know, that's a good thing. They should advocate for that. He talks to them and says, well, you should also Mm -hmm. consider, uh, you know, extending that to other groups. Um, they say, well, uh, you know, no, (laughs) which is like you were saying, you know, if you can get it from, you know, you just sort of, if you want to protect children, you necessarily have to protect the children that are under attack or that are being disproportionately affected. And in the U S that's, that that's male children. And it, you know, it just so happens to have an overlap with intersex children because, uh, you know, a child that is born with a penis or what appears to be a penis, uh, who is actually intersex is still subject to circumcision. It's still possible for them to be circumcised. And I'm sure that has its own set of complications and problems, uh, associated with it. Mm-hmm. And even if, <laughs> right, like even if the child is born with an, an enlarged clitoris, I mean, that's, they, they're subject to cutting, but it's not really talked about, but it happens. So it's like, at, at what point is a, is a clitoris like too large? You know, who makes that determination? Mm-hmm. And, and to go back to Brian Earp, he had, he had a chart at one of his presentations. He said, you know, at what point does a, you know, a penis become too small to be subject to circumcision, you know, in, in, a, in a baby, I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, where's the mm-hmm. line drawn? And the issue is that there's no logically consistent way to draw a line. It is, you know, it, it's cutting the genitals of children without medical necessity, which is never or almost never the case is it can't be done because there's no line you can draw. You can't say, well, this is okay. And this isn't because, you know, of course there are differences, differences in severity. You know, what you see is uh, on Twitter a lot, a common misconception that I see is like, oh, well, you know, you're against FGM and circumcision. Well, that's like, they think of infibulation. They think, oh, you're comparing circumcision to infibulation. And it's not a competition. I mean, Protecting children is not a competition to begin with, but moreover, the World Health Organization rightly says that even the ceremonial pricking of a female infant's genitals is wrong. It shouldn't be done. Uh, But, you know, with male babies, it's, you know, it's no holds barred. Uh, So people... I think people, uh, another part of the issue here is that people don't really understand what's going on. And I mean, infibulation is a terrible thing. And fortunately it accounts for a very, very small, like single digits uh, percentage of all FGM. It should be none. And there should, I mean, there should be no, (laughs) there should be no genital mutilation occurring among the human race. That should go without saying, but uh, (laughs) you know, the fact of the matter is that, there's all sorts of kinds, all sorts of practices from all sorts of different tribes all over the world. And, you know, people would have a much easier time if they just said, do none of it. You know, I mean, it, it's so right. easy. It, it is 
it is easier to not do something than it is to do something that goes without saying. So it's, it's really, like you said, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah, it's, I think, I think that's kind of by design too. you know, it's, it's, it's really a thought terminating cliche whenever, you know, people use like a foreign FGM practice to shut down I mean, they, they really straw man whatever an antagonist is saying. It's not like the antagonist is directly comparing infibulation to prepuce cutting. No, they're literally just saying, okay, this is legal, but this isn't. This, you know, how do we reconcile that? That's all they're saying. It's not like <laughs> no one has ever said, oh, well, infibulation is nothing. It's you know, prep use cut is definitely worse. I, I, you'll you'll never see anyone say that mm. earnestly. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's 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 the game of relative privation, or however you say it. Relative. Yeah, I, I I'm vaguely familiar. I don't know too much about. I, I've heard of, I've heard the expression. Um, and to an extent, this is what, you know, some FGM apologists do. You know, I'll, I'll see a number of people say, oh, well, we, we just, we just practice sooner cutting. We, we don't, we don't do what happens in Africa. So it's like, oh, we're, ours is good. We're not, at least we're not doing what they're doing in Africa. So in essence, you know, everyone gets the point that, you know, the most invasive or awful forms without taking accountability. Yeah. And I think it really sort of begs the question in people's minds, because, you know, if you say, uh, you know, when, when you say, okay, it's wrong to cut the genitals of a male child in any way, for the same reason that it's wrong to cut the genitals of a female child in any way, People, people take great offense. And the, I think the reason they sort of straw man that out to say, oh, you're saying, you know, infibulation is nothing, which is, you know, like we said, the most severe form of female genital cutting um, that's practiced on the planet. I think the reason they have that sort of dissonance is because maybe some of them are in favor of uh, circumcision, but more broadly, the general principle is true. And I think people all know that instinctively, but I don't know if they're afraid that mm -hmm. it's going to steal the spotlight from infibulation, but at, at least in the U S I mean, does infibulation happen here? I don't, I <laughs> does, does, <laughs> you know, any form of female genital cutting happen here without a major news coverage and lawsuits and all this, all, you know, I mean, rightfully that's the attitude we should take when anyone's cut. I mean, when anybody's cutting the genitals of a child, like that's a, it's a crazy thing in any other timeline. If we didn't practice that and then, you know, like an alien race contacts us and says, Hey, we do this. We'd be like, you do what? Exactly. You know, they look at us like we were, <laughs> like we were nuts. Like, but you know, we, we just kind of have to, 
shut our minds to it or we're conditioned to it. Like I was, I was just thinking about Matisse de Pere. <laughs> just thinking about Matisse de Pere. No, uh, I was uh, just imagine the whole absurdity. Like even if we take it to and it's it's absurd conclusion that okay, you know this should only be performed on consenting adults. Like just imagine that being performed on an adult. That would be it's it's so easy. It's so easy to say that. Just okay. If you want them if you if you want your child to be circumcised, ask your child when they're, you know, of the legal age of consent, you want to do it? If they say no, well, you know, that's tough. It's it's not your body, frankly. It's uh you know, there's, there's a, what was it? I think it was your whole baby put out this, um, this graphic that said, um, how, how do they put it? They said, it's, there was the same line repeated twice. It said, it's my son's penis. And emphasis in one was on my son's penis. And the other was on my son's penis. It's, uh, you know, yeah, it says a lot about, how they think of their children based on which one they say. Um, and it's, it's totally true. It's, it's what it is. It's so easy to just say, okay, I'm just going to like, I mean, it is, it is less effort. It is less of a logistical strain in every way to not do something than it is to do something. Like I said, and it'd be so easy for people to collectively just say, Hey, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this has happened like in I mean, we've seen numerous examples throughout the world like you know even our neighbors up north Canada like most of their hospitals don't cover it insurance doesn't cover it uh well UK they just stopped doing it uh Australia so there's a there's a precedent I, I think I think the, one of the major problems is just it's so ingrained in this culture. Like it's it, it's religious, but not not religious in the traditional sense. Kind of like you know, football is American football is a religion. So there's this sort of mythology about you know being cut or cutting children that. You know, it's just as American as apple oh, yeah. pie. Yeah, absolutely. Know? And uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, so the, can you imagine the outrage? <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to make the comparisons because the comparisons are really not necessary. But can you imagine if, say, like a Saudi Arabian insurance company said, yeah, we're going to like pay for your daughter to have like labiaplasty, your newborn daughter. It's like. Again, I hate to make the comparison, but can you imagine the outrage? It'd be enormous. Uh, yeah, it regularly, it regularly happens. Uh, I think in at least in Egypt. I mean, they. Uh, I think they do mostly do hoidectomy, which is the anatomical equivalent of prep cutting. And you know that's that's done by you know actual physicians and doctors like regularly. Yeah, yeah. Marilyn Milos, I think and, it was, says this often. Uh, she says 
you know, the people who, I think this is her, I may be misattributing this quote terribly, <laughs> but uh, somebody said that you see a lot of the same justifications in places like, uh, you know, the Middle East where uh, females are quote unquote circumcised, whatever, whatever form that may be, according to the World Health Organization. They say, oh, it's, it's cleaner. It's, you know, the men like it better. Uh, there's health benefits. And mm -hmm. we sort of rightfully dismiss that here. We say, oh, no, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't force that on a child. And, uh, and then again, we have that double standard here. We're like, oh, well, circumcision of male babies, it's, it's cleaner. There's health benefits. The, the women like it better. I mean, that's so that's, that's the last one is what's the most sick to me, I think, because there's not even like remotely good intention there. Oh, you're, yeah. like, you're sexualizing a baby. Mm -hmm. As if you already know how their genitals are going to look 20, 15 to 20 years from now. And, you know, it's just so dishonest that there's just so much variation that, you know, a lot of, I mean, in many cases, it's like, even if they're not cut, you know, when it's all said and done, it still looks yeah. cut. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the rough silhouette is essentially the same there's just you know a lot of damage and a lot missing if you know they i mean it, it's mm -hmm. it's it's almost insane to me when people say well you don't lose anything from it i mean okay if i like cut your finger <laughs> off will you have lost anything i mean it's it's such it is such a flatly ridiculous and like you said dishonest claim on its face because i you know i think it's it's the invincible idea is that children need their autonomy protected. But the most, uh, I think, the idea with the strongest teeth is that you're harming a baby. And of course, you know, the opponents or, or proponents of the practice, rather, will sort of obfuscate that with saying, oh, well, no, there's health benefits. It's not harm. Oh, well, no, there's no harm. And it's, I mean, it's so, like you said, it's so dishonest mm -hmm. because. I, American medical textbooks don't include penile anatomy. That's it's, it's like almost as dystopian as they talk about, you know, female anatomy in Africa or the middle East or, you know, what have you. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And again, Brian Earp is a tremendous source for these sorts of things. I've, I've watched like all of his videos on this. Uh, you know, yeah. Okay. He's unmatched. His expertise is just, it's, he's, he's got it all figured out. He's got all the, you know, all the facts and, you know, it's so dishonest. If you are removing any part of a body, there is something lost. Even in cases where there's like an infection and amputation is necessary, you know, you, someone's arm is infected and it has to be cut off. Well, okay. We understand that it's regrettable that there was an infection and that that had to happen, but we understand it as a necessary, uh, I won't say evil per se, but a necessary, um, unfortunate event. But, mm -hmm. you know, this is healthy tissue we're talking about. And, you know, you look in the anatomy, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of parts and people... Uh, the sort of American conception of the male anatomy is that it's just sort of, it's all one thing. It's the penis. 
meanwhile, the female anatomy is, has mm-hmm. been rightfully expanded over the years to include all sorts of different parts, which are present and all have purpose. Um, you know, can you imagine if they, I, I mean, just think about it this way, right? Middle school locker room conversations meant, you know, the guys talk about, oh yeah, I'm so glad I'm circumcised or whatever. Imagine if they went to biology and they started teaching them about, uh, you know, like the, the frenulum of the penis. And then, you know, the guys after that, they go to gym class and they're getting changed. And like, hey, wait a minute. I don't have one of those. Can you imagine how much that would change the conversation if the anatomy was just common knowledge? Uh, I wish it would. But I mean, from my experience, it's like there's a lot of denialism. Uh, and you know, I'll, I'll often ask, like, you know what? They'll, they'll counter back that. Well, I. I could still get a wreck. I could still come. And I'm like, sure, but you were cut before you even started puberty. So how do you, what frame of reference do you have to even know how it, it affected your ability to do yeah, those things? Yeah. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's like the bare minimum. That's, you know, I, I believe there are complications associated, but I think infibulated women can still get pregnant. And that's, you know, if a, if a Somalian man told an American woman that and said, okay, well that's okay. Then, you know, the, the women are still fine. That'd be ridiculous. They would call that abominable. Rightly. I'll add again. They'd say that's abominable. That's, that's, that's the bare minimum. There's no other function there. And he says, well, there doesn't need to be any. This is, I mean, this is a perfect mirror of the conversation in the US. Like you said, you know, erectile function persists, mm-hmm. you know, there's no sterilization. Americans write that off and say, okay, it's fine then. Nothing else needs to be going on. There's no other function. Well, okay, that's fine. There doesn't need to be. Well, okay. Maybe there doesn't need to be for like the procreation of the human race, but like, there's a lot more to it than that. I mean, we don't exist to produce children. Um, if we take that to its absurd end, why not just remove the whole phallus? Just extract sperm yeah, from yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then, yeah. well, you know, if you do that, you'll see a 100% reduction in already rare penile cancer. Well, you <laughs> never get cancer of the penis if you amputate the penis. Why, why are we doing that? Because we know that's ridiculous. No. Mm-hmm. And you know when when you when you talk about women who defend the practice and women who do it to their daughters, you know they they always say, "Well, they're brainwashed." Hmm. But the men who do it in other countries, well, well even within that same country, because. Anywhere women are cut, men are cut as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's so, it's like that saying, yeah. uh, you know, I, I've heard this often. People love to say that during World War II, they'd be against Hitler if they were German. And, you know, maybe that's true. I, I <laughs> hope it's true for the majority of people. But, you know, if you look back at history, the reality is that a lot of Germans were on Hitler's side. And people are brainwashed by the culture, but they they love to have this feeling of superiority by saying, okay, well, those guys over there who disagree with us, they're brainwashed by their culture. We're free thinkers. We have an open mind. Well, you know, maybe their mind's so open that their brain fell out. 
what I can tell. I mean, it's because they're, I mean, it's clear brainwashing. It's, it's clear propaganda. And it's, it's so, it is so despicable to me that like American agencies will run campaigns in Africa to circumcise children there, especially, you know, where they have no, I mean, I'm sure they maybe in some cases, no, there's always the argument to be made. No, you can't cut my child, but you know, without the, without the access to the information, without the, the resources to mount, you know, a counterattack. I mean, really we're just like, you know, we're using them as Guinea pigs. It's sick. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, even to the point where, you know, the, one of the government agencies, Pepfar, they, they actually, they actually, uh, who is it? Uh, the, the, uh, the director who made American circumcision, uh, he pointed this out. Yeah, yeah, he he had a he had a very very important post about that where Pepfar actually had to they cut infant <laughs> pun intended, but they cut infant cutting from their program. Like, so they only now they're only doing it from on those fifteen and up and. If you look at the language, it's very, it's very damning because like they were finding that the, the complications in the children was like 10 times that of those 15 and I'm up. sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Brendan Murata is another great figurehead for the so, movement. He's, he's done some great work. I mean, <laughs> I mean, whenever I talk to somebody and I say, I don't have, you know, if I don't have enough time to really articulate the point, because this really is a massive issue. The iceberg goes so deep. I tell him, you know, if I don't have time, I'll say, Hey, I got to get going. If you're interested in learning more, American circumcision is a fantastic documentary. And what's the most damning towards the Mm -hmm. practice within the documentary is the fact that you get, it's totally unbiased. I mean, he goes and he, he interviews Edgar Schoen and Brian Morris, and they get to make their case completely unedited and in every step of the way, completely destroyed right. by the opposing side. That was really, I mean, you know, in my own personal case, I, I had been against circumcision for years, you know, at least on a basic level before I even watched the documentary. And I, I watched the documentary and it was like, it was like, okay, now I really understand. Now I really, really understand the depth of this issue which, you know, people just don't, it's, it's incomprehensible to them that the issue is so vast. Yeah, we're back. Yeah, I hit a stupid button. Uh, <laughs> Happens. <laughs> but yeah, where, where was I? Uh, uh, I think, uh, I'm not sure when exactly we got cut off, but I I had said something about Brendan Murata. American Circumcision is a fantastic documentary, amazing resource. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a lot of great uh, resources for the subject, and you know, I'm I'm glad that you know there's a bigger proliferation of the different literature and different talking points. That I mean, if any of this had been available when, I guess, whenever circumcision was getting ready to be industrialized it it would have made it this far i mean it's an inherently 
dishonest position that it can't it can't withstand any reasonable con, uh, scrutiny unless people are just so. I mean, this this is basically. I mean, the Matrix. I mean, it's kind of cliche and hackneyed, but it's it's really applicable to a lot of things, you know. You know, when Morpheus talks about, you know, the people who willingly work with the agents, and it's like I get that. You know, this is all people have known as an irreversible thing. So just 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 from an ego standpoint, it's tough to even admit that yeah, I might have made a mistake cutting my son, or my parents might have made a mistake cutting me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's that's maybe one of the biggest barriers is that people say, I mean you know, like you said, they have people have no frame of reference for this. So if somebody's growing up circumcised, they have no idea what anything should have been like. I mean, that could have that could have not happened. And mm-hmm. you know, what would they think then? It's one of those things that it's like people don't want to admit to even themselves. I think that's probably the biggest issue because if men, if circumcised men collectively stood up and said, yeah, no more of this, it'd be over overnight because, you know, circumcised men circumcise their sons, men who are not circumcised, almost never circumcise their sons. What does that tell you? You know, it it tells you that (laughs) it's perpetuated. It's a self-perpetuating cycle. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a graphic that I love that just applies to so many things. Uh, it's it's like a meme of a guy, you know, the classic trolley problem. Except it's not really a problem. It's just someone keeps pu- pulling the lever to keep running over people when they just simply don't have to pull the lever, as you said. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I know the one, you know, you could pull the lever, but it's, it's, but it wouldn't be fair to the people who are already crushed by the train. It's like, well, hang on. You know, I, I love that meme because it's so, it so concisely gets across so many points that could be argued for hours. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, we just argue for, that's the thing too. I mean, in this country, being cut is is a personality trait. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You see, it, it, and it's a lot of it's a lot of hypersexuality in mm. circumcising countries too. That you know, I look at and I think maybe you know maybe this is related somehow. Because, um, like you said, it's it's like a personality for these people. That it's almost like it like an automatic response in the brain. Uh, to say that's, I'm circumcised and I'm fine. That's the thing. It's like the the exposed glands is it's really something. It's really something like no parents should ever see. Yeah, it's profoundly unnatural. Like it, it shouldn't be seen by a good majority of people. Like I mean, parents would even know. 
what their girl's clitoris glance looks like, but they know what their son's looks like. That's a really, that's actually a point that I had never even considered before. That's, that's a very good point there. That's, and it really sort of drives home the point of how perverse this is. I mean, what was it? The ancient Romans, the reason that uh, first century Jewish converts to Christianity tried to practice foreskin restoration was because uh, I believe it was the Romans who said that, you know, an exposed glands is lewd to public nudity was a big thing in ancient Rome, mm-hmm. but the exposed glands that was, that was considered lewd to be naked on its own was, you know, that was a social cultural norm, but the exposed yeah. glands that was like, okay, you're like being sexual about it now. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it really, that really does. You made it. That's a extremely poignant point about, you know, parents don't see their daughter's clitoral glands probably ever because that would be weird. That would be, you know, that's. If you're, nailed. if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you would never see it. Exactly. But, but that's life. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, and you know, that's life. If people could just, if people could just say that they're like, yeah, you know, that's life. I, you know, they, they like destroyed my penis when I was born. Uh, but I'm not going to do that to my son. That's just life. You know, that's my, that's my life. I'm going to, you know, if people could just do that. It'd be overnight. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's so much absurdity because something like this is so deep rooted. It's sort of like, it's sort of like that old cartoon trope where uh, somebody tells a lie and then they have to create an entire infrastructure of lies and other nonsense to prop up the first lie. Exactly. That it almost it's just, it becomes ridiculous by the end, and it's completely unsustainable. I mean, you know, the house of cards. Yeah, the house of cards all comes down eventually, and that's I mean that's what it is here with insurance covering infant circumcision, with you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics, you know, at once recommending it, and, and then being too afraid to ever renew that policy because <laughs> the backlash that they received globally was swift and decisive. Hmm. Um. Uh, so they're just going to keep keep kicking the ball down the road. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll keep making things up. They'll say, "Oh, HIV, HPV, um, you know, UTIs." And uh, <laughs> I actually, I talked to my doctor about this one time. I asked him, you know, just just neutrally, I said, "Do you have an opinion on routine infant circumcision?" And this is a very uncomfortable topic for people because I think I think at their heart, being asked that it brings up the question, which people like I said, don't think about. And he, I think it made him a little bit uncomfortable to, you know, have that question asked, which is by the way, you know, something that everybody should ask their doctor. You should know what your doctor thinks. And instead of telling me what he thought about it, he sort of veered off and said, well, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics says, (laughs) and you know, he, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's probably not a very comfortable position to talk to somebody who, you know, a doctor, they know what your body looks like. They know if you're circumcised. Um, primary care physicians, I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. It's probably, it would it would probably not go over well for the majority of their clients that said, oh yeah, it's really a terrible thing. And it destroys between 13 and 15 square inches of primary erogenous tissue. Uh, that's, you know, quote unquote, necessary for normal sexual function, so on and so forth. Various specialized structures, all that. 
that would probably not go over well if they told their patients that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's an yeah, uncomfortable that's... thing. Yeah. And and there's no infrastructure to really help victims, you know, reconcile and come to terms with it. I I mean there I think the only reason like circ- circumcision really flourishes is because, you know, it's a part of the American canon. But if I mean if we wanna basic example of what would happen if it wasn't part of the canon, you know, just look at, you know, intersex people. They, they're, they're rightly pissed about it. They, I'll never, I've never seen a intersex person like glad they had the surgery, you know, because there isn't that sort of cultural grooming to make them believe it was for their benefit as you know, there, there isn't all this shit about health benefits and all that. So that's another really good point that I hadn't considered. You that's, that's true. It's, it's almost exclusively, I think men globally who say, yeah, my genitals were cut as a baby and I'm happy about it. I think I was improved by this. <laughs> you know, I, there, there's mass campaigns by women against FGM, there's campaigns by intersex activists against, you know, IGM or what is in many cases circumcision, which I suppose falls under the category of intersex genital mutilation if they're intersex. Uh, but men are, for some reason, the only creatures on the planet that will say, oh, yeah, they <laughs> they did this to me and that's good. And of course, of it's- course, that's not essentially true i mean there are women like you said who defend the practice in africa and they think they're improved by it and it's the same arguments but it's sort of a global overarching thing there's really no uh mass movement against it by men like there are intersex people against intersex genital mutilation and women against female genital mutilation so that's a very good point you made yeah it's it's growing though I think it's just a matter of people kind of waking up their third eye to the whole thing. And because I mean, most, I mean, most, most, most don't even know what a frenulum is. Most don't know what keratinization is. And, you know, it's just business as usual. As long as there's no significant deformity, as long as they can achieve enough blood flow and stimulate what remains to the point of orgasm. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, people are placated by this. It's, you know, I, I'm very, I'm very optimistic in the long term because, you know, we, we've said it a hundred times already, but it, it's a, it's a flatly ridiculous thing. Proponents are rampantly dishonest in every sort of way. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's common sense. It's the sort of common sense that I think everybody sort of has. If it was not, I mean, I don't think there's anybody in the world that if it was not proposed to them in some way or another, would ever think of doing this. You know, if, if hospitals didn't ask parents, if the society didn't tell parents, if, if this idea was not in the consciousness already, it would never reenter. Mm-hmm. 
You're like, oh, oh, there's a. You say it's you say it's for hygiene. Oh, why don't you know, are are my son's genitals less? Um, is 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 soap and water less effective with my son than my daughter? Is that what you're saying? Uh, like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Are antibiotics less effective with my son? Well, yeah. Which, not to mention, I think the numbers are something like eleven times. Uh, girls are like eleven times more likely to get a urinary tract infection than males, simply because they have much shorter urethras. Um, and yet, for some reason, this is we treat this like a like a plague for men. It would mm-hmm. it would be sort of like. Uh, it would be sort of like if the breast cancer campaigns that they have were for men instead of women. Like, okay, well, mm-hmm. we need to prevent breast cancer in men. It's like, well, men aren't really the ones primarily getting breast cancer. Uh, although to make the comparison more apt, it would be like if we could just cure breast cancer with antibiotics. Because, you know, UTIs, like you said, antibiotics, they just they just cure it. And... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, men are really, especially baby boys, are really not the ones contracting UTIs. And they're easily treatable when they are contracted for both boys and girls. And even these studies that those UTIs were, those UTI claims were based off. I mean, there's just this whole asymmetry of bullshit. I think ERP had a brilliant article and just outlining like how these absolutely ridiculous studies just burrow themselves into the conscious like the the methodology of them is just if if it were any other study they would be dismissed but you know you've got people like Morris and Oh, if I had a nickel for every time somebody linked me a study by Brian, a study in, you know, massive quotes by Brian Morris, I could, I could, (laughs) I could fund political campaigns against circumcision tonight. (laughs) You you have my vote. (laughs) My official vote and my unofficial vote. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean... Science is unfortunately, in a lot of ways, becoming corrupt in that way because the people who have the money are able to fund these studies. And you can make a study say whatever you want if you, like you said, botch the methodology, if you form unsound conclusions that are you know, not based mm-hmm. on the evidence that your own study finds. I mean, it's like, um, you know, like you said with the UTIs, it's, 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 it's just bad science. It's, and I suppose bad science is not really even science at all. Um, but it's, it's, it's given a pass. Sh- you know, shitty, shitty understanding of statistics. Like, if you even look at some of the margins of these studies, it's like, I mean, you're, I mean, even the whole HIV thing. I mean, that was, that was a basic statistical error using relative risk instead of absolute. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, As, and even, even given like some of their numbers, like with, like, even if you take the UTI 
claims at face value. It's like you have to circumcise something like a hundred infants to prevent one single instance of a UTI in one whole lifetime. And mm-hmm. that's that's just ridiculous. That's using their numbers, which are, you know, propped up by bad science. If you were to use, you know, the actual science, I'm sure there would be no statistical difference if you're not, you know, retracting, um, you know, if you're not forcibly retracting the infant. Um, I'm sure there's no statistical difference, actually. That's and that's the cause of most of these issues. It's forceful retraction, but you know. And that's another thing that's sort of been memed into the culture that oh well, you know, if I don't circumcise my child, then I'm going to have to like clean under his foreskin, and that's that. It's so <laughs> funny. They're like, well, I'll have to like you know, I'll have to look at his exposed penis, and that that'd be weird. So then they what you circumcise your, not not to mention it's not true, but then what you circumcise your child so is. Exposed penis is permanently exposed. I mean, it, it's every single facet of this, you know, massive, like you called it a house of cards is just, it's totally ridiculous on its face in depth in every way. And the reason I'm so mm-hmm. optimistic for the future is because, you know, intactivism, the facts are on our side. Uh, right. You know, common sense is there. It's not ridiculous. It's the globally accepted position and it's right. You know, it's as globally uh, accept it as you know the sun rises basically right you know americans are like the you know flat earthers in this sense that say well you, the sun doesn't rise the, <laughs> you know it, it circles around the 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 disc and it's like okay 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 uh we should we should use a different term uh was it the explode uh exposed glanzers or <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's absurd but, uh, you know, I, I look forward, I look forward to living to see the day that it's, it's banned. And, you know, I, I don't know what that holds for proponents of it and the people who prop this up. I don't know if there'll be any sort of, you know, punishments, lawsuits. I don't know if there'll ever be, uh, justice for the people that this has happened to. I hope there is, but I will be happy to live to see a day where, this doesn't have to happen to anybody else ever again. I mean, it's too late for us. Yeah. But the whole of human history is people planting trees, the shade of which they'll never live to sit underneath. It's a multi-generational struggle. And Mm -hmm. there are a lot of multi-generational struggles. This is one of them. And, you know, if I can live to see... (laughs) Uh, the analogy sort of breaks down a little bit in specifics. You know, that it's like the tree has a force field around it and I can't enter the shade of the tree, but you know, it's grown and the, the children can. <laughs> that's, I guess that's fine. Uh, you know, that I'll be happy with that. Yeah. You know, well, I'll be happier with that than if it doesn't happen. Ideally, you know, the tree would have never been cut down, but, mm-hmm. but you know, like you said, that's right. life. This is what we live with. Keep moving forward day by day and eventually we'll get there. I, I really love that quote. That's <laughs> we're, we're all planting trees. We'll never see the shade of. Yeah. That's yeah. Ah, it's, <laughs> I forget where I heard that, but it's, it's, it stuck with me because it's, it's a very powerful uh, sort of poetic device there. It's, and it's totally true. Mm-hmm. It's, 
it's very difficult for what it's worth. I mean, there are multi-generational struggles like that. People fighting for things that they will never reap the benefits of. I mean, that's not a pleasant thing to do. That's, it's difficult, but you know, that's the only way large scale change is achieved. Exactly. You know, and that's, that's humanity. You know, if, if people weren't fighting to make sure kids weren't working in factories and mines, I mean, we'd probably be scarred from doing that shit growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm, you know, I don't know the whole history of child labor protests and whatnot, but I'm sure in many cases, the children who grew up became part of that. They said, yeah, I was a child laborer and that was like wrong. I should have been like in school or like playing kickball or whatever. Um, I'm I'm sure there are a number of them who were saying, no, I was a child laborer. Yeah, exactly. I was happy to, you know, help the family out for five cents an hour, (laughs) you know, getting my fingers chopped off in a, you know, unsafe working conditions with, you know, pollution smog in the building with me. And, you know, (laughs) it's, it's one of, it's another one of those things. It's ridiculous that this can, this can and should be improved upon and let's just do it. Yeah. One day, one day, one day, uh, inching ever closer. Andrew Yang, the Andrew Yang thing again, Pandora's box is open where we are approaching the day where it's a mainstream issue. And once it becomes a real consistent mainstream issue, which, you know, maybe it will never be, you know, at the forefront of issues like abortion or, you know, immigration or healthcare or things that are, you know, really hot button issues in the country, but once it becomes an issue that, you know, people take stances on, I think it's, I think from there, it's all downhill. It's, I mean, the riding is easy at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something that can't continue to go into the night. I think there has to be a definitive stand. I mean, that that's the thing that was kind of bad about what happened in like UK and Canada and Australia. It, it was just something that they they stopped funding, but didn't necessarily make amends. So it was just like, oh, we're just not doing it anymore. So there wasn't really a sort of hard line stance. Yeah, I, I know it's and, and even to that extent, you know, I'm it, it's controversial even among intactivists. But uh, Eric Klopper did a play at Harvard called sex and circumcision in American love story. I know, you know, I'm speaking for the audience Um, where, you know, he he talks about, you know, uh, making amends. He he pulled out like a lot of cash out of his pocket or something. He said, there's not enough of this on the planet to pay me back. What they stole from us is real value. And that's what it is. I mean, you can't buy bodily autonomy. You can't buy integrity. Um, You know, you can't buy your, you can't buy your human rights is what it comes down to. So, you know, I don't know what amends look like. I don't know what, you know, could ever make it right. I mean, this is like a wrong that can't be undone. So I don't know what something like that looks like, but I do hope, you know, at least it goes out with a bang as opposed to, Oh, well, the insurance stopped funding it. And then the rate slowly fell a few percent per year. And now it really doesn't happen. 
You know, that's, I mean, yeah. that's acceptable in that it protects the children and it accomplishes our goals, but it's, it's in some ways unfortunate that, you know, there's no stand made. There's no uh, outlet for the grievances of people who, I mean, can you imagine being somebody who, uh, you know, had their penis amputated or partially amputated um, from circumcision only to find out, oh yeah, well, you're just going to have to live with that. Like you were born mm -hmm. with a functioning reproductive system and it was surgically destroyed like in every mm. single way. And you're never going to see, you know, a red scent. You're never even going to get an apology from the person who did it is what it really comes down to. I mean, and they're probably still cutting other, other I, people. I think about that a lot that, you know, somebody did that to me and they're probably doing it again today. It's probably, he's done more of that today to other people and they're going to live their entire life like me having suffered the same unfortunate, you know, happenstance of birth. And he's probably not even remorseful. Uh, he's no, if he's still doing yeah. it, he's certainly not remorseful in any meaningful sense. So, you know, you look at that and what, what does something like that even look like? I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know the name of the guy who cut me. So that's, that's just one of those things. It's like, you know, someone's wronged you. You don't even know, you don't even know their identity. Mm. And it's just, just like a shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Literally like a specter of your past who appeared one time in your entire life dealt grave damage to your penis, frankly, and you never see him again. You never hear from him. Not so much as a, my bad, mea culpa, nothing of that sort. It's, it's just, you know, and I'm sure many of them would defend it to your face. They'd say, well, it was a good thing. Yeah. Actually, you should be thanking me. I mean, these people are so brainwashed and corrupt and, like you said, dishonest. I see like uh I see like these molehills like bragging about cutting like thirty thousand. Like <laughs> that's just such an absurd yeah. number. Thirty thousand like uh, I think I did the math. That like uh I think he had like a twenty or thirty year career. It, it ended up being like like a hundred a month, That's insane. like just cutting a hundred babies' genitals a month. Like, if I inconvenienced three thousand people in my life, I'd feel bad about it. That's a huge <laughs> number to be such a consistently yeah. negative influence in even the smallest way. And then you factor in the fact that you know. It's not a minor inconvenience. It's like genital mutilation. It is genital mutilation. And the number is that high. That's just, I mean, people who are capable of bragging about that are just, they're so far gone. They've accepted, you know, what they've done. And they, I mean, these are people whose minds you can't change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pure sadist. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is. I mean, I could go on for hours about how, how sick it is. 
but uh, I, I won't. I won't because I'm going to get myself in trouble if I, if I really, if I really, you know, went off about it. I'd get myself in big trouble. I'm not going to do that. Oh, but uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's really it's it's gross. I mean, you're hurting the genitals of babies in great quantities, and it's it's not right. Mm-hmm. But history will look back on them with great revulsion sooner better than later oh, yeah, i hope for sure well uh yeah i think i think we've said at least what we can say without getting in too much trouble <laughs> it's so true it's such a shame too you know we we're, we're just that's the violence of this whole we have to be polite about what's very uh, very much an impolite yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, know, we <laughs> we have to play by the rules, but they can, you know, carve babies. <laughs> I mean, that's so and I you know, I love kids, so it's so it's such a like a it's just you know, salt in the wound because I, I love kids. They're so great, and they're the future of the human mm-hmm. race. So I see that's, you know, but I'm optimistic as, as some closing words here. I'm very optimistic about the future. It, it really is. I mean, it's a localized issue. It's America. It's uh, a couple of religions and it's some tribes. I, I think the human race will at some point move forward sooner, like you said, rather than later. And we're never going to have to be scourged by this as a species again. Yeah, either that or we'll blow, blow ourselves <laughs> Before up. that, for unrelated yeah. reasons, go figure, right? <laughs> we're out here in this fight, and we're going to get, you know, blown up by nuclear weapons over, like, health insurance or, like, national policy. But I'll say those are important things, too. But, you know, we're in this fight, and we're going to get blown <laughs> up in the crossfire of another fight. Whatever. We'll, the children will have the shade of the tree, like we said. And... Yeah. That's the goal. That's that's my ultimate yeah. goal. I'll be happy enough I, with that. I I tell people all the time, you know, I'll see I'll see a lot of posts, people saying, you know, infant circumcision is genital mutilation. I'll die on that hill. And I'll be like, Yeah, I'm you won't be on you won't be alone yeah. on that yeah. hill. So the hill is made out of not to not to be, you know, grotesque, but the hill is made out of the corpses of the people who said that <laughs> before you. Yep, yep. They lived exactly. long lives and died long, you know, long, long ago, probably hundreds of years, but it is what it is. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. We'll win because we're right. We will win because we're right in literally every way. So. And, and what, what's, what, let me see. Where, where's your pen tweet? We are going to ban uh, circumcision I, I and there's saying. literally nothing anyone can do about it. Lamau, retweet. <laughs> And on that note, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. Thanks once again to Pat, Mr. Jellyfish Ray. Thanks for having me. That's our show. Indeed, indeed. Indeed.